The Denver Broncos locked down a victory on Sunday against the Green Bay Packers, despite it being a nail-biter in the fourth quarter. How does this win impact the team going forward? Well, you're going to get all that and much more on today's brand new episode, Locked on Broncos. You are locked on Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Denver Broncos improved to 2-5 and five on the season and a big-time victory on Sunday against the Green Bay Packers with one game remaining before the bye week. How does this impact the team? Welcome into a brand-new episode of Lockdown Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much to everybody in Broncos country for tuning in, making us your first listen of the day every single day. Just a reminder, you can get this podcast for free every single day, all year long, for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Cody Rourke, Broncos reporter for Mile High Sports. Joined alongside, as always, by my co-host, Sarah Benninger, Sci expert, predominantlyorange.com. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. And right now, new customers, they can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. Sarah, my friend, you know, I, there, there's no coincidence here that the Denver Broncos are 1-0 in games that you attend in person, it was your first game here so far of the season coming to Denver all the way from Nebraska and Denver walks away with the victory. Got to meet you for the first time. Like Sarah and I have been working together for years, but we got to see each other for the first time here. And obviously, Sarah, I think a good omen here because that's what the Denver Broncos walk away on Sunday with a victory and a little bit of a roller coaster of a second half. It was awesome, Cody. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I It was great to get to meet you. So many other members of Broncos country. Uh, shout out to our friend Cam. I'm recording at Cam's house today. So just a lot of fun and get to the opportunity to go see a game in person. Like It's been 11 years. So I, I've watched a lot of Broncos from afar. But the last game I went to was like week three, I think, of the 2012 season. But this was epic Cody I mean to see the team win in person in Denver was a, a first for me and like you said one and oh when I attend games this season I feel <laughs> like man maybe I need to come back more often yeah no absolutely there and look hey it was a little bit of a game that felt like the Broncos were in control for a majority of this game from the onset now obviously we've seen Denver go down march down the field have successful opening drives resulting in touchdowns weren't a lot of touchdowns here in this game so far in the first half. I mean, I think we saw more touchdowns at halftime with the girls' flag football that was going on as the halftime show there than we did in this game in totality here. But, uh, you know, for Denver, it felt like for a good portion through three quarters, like, man, you know, Denver, they're in control of this, really led by the leg of Will Lutz, who obviously came up big for the Broncos, four for four on the afternoon for him, including a 52-yarder that would give the Broncos a lead late in this game here. But, you know, more importantly, I think – we got to look at the domino effects because once again, I see, I think one trend that we've seen with this Broncos team is that when they have control of a game or they have the lead, there's certain things that happen, right? Or if, you know, a certain penalty or bad plays that happen, we've talked about it here on the show. They let some of those bad momentum plays happen and it just impacts them. Like they can never recover from one bad play happening. That was the case there in that third quarter because the Broncos defense, they had to burn two timeouts in one quarter because they didn't have the right personnel in. And, Kareem Jackson was ejected from the game with a shoulder hit, a low hit there to obviously one of the Packers tight ends and uh, could be facing a potential suspension coming up here because this would be the second game of the year that he's been ejected. And from that point, once Kareem got tossed, I thought to myself sitting up there in the press box, like, 
This is the negative play. And obviously there was a spiral event of that because then you saw Romeo Dobbs catch a crazy touchdown while Patrick Sertan also had possession at the same exact time as he did. And all of a sudden I started thinking to myself, like nothing can ever go right for this football team. And it's like, there's some sort of weird jinx on them, so to speak. Yeah. What was really weird too, is obviously, you know, that the play where the Packers tipped the ball in the air on fourth down and somehow I think it was Jaden Reed caught it. And that happened right, right beneath me where I was watching the game and we were sitting there like, you gotta be kidding. Like, how is this, how is this even possible? Right. And it does seem like that Cody, like, just one thing spirals after another when the Denver Broncos, they went up 16 to three in this game. Then obviously right from there, uh, it's like the defense can't complement the offense. The defense was playing really well the entire game. Offense finally gets a touchdown. The Cortland Sutton, the brilliant play design, awesome play. And then the Packers go right down the field and score. Like you mentioned on that play where I guess a uh, tie goes to the runner in baseball, Cody, but I guess tie goes to the guy with one hand on the ball, as opposed to the guy with two <laughs> hands on the ball uh, when it comes to Pat Sertan and that interception. So it really does feel like that. Like one thing I, I was waiting for, you know, Will Lutz at the end of the game. I'm like, this is, we, we get into field goal range after giving up a, you know, a touchdown the other way, got a chance to take the lead again. It felt like it was shaping up for the Broncos to kind of figure out a way to screw it up again. But Kudos to Will Lutz, man. He's been really clutch this season ever since that first game of the year where maybe a bit of jitters, maybe a bit of just a struggle there getting acclimated. But he's been he's been lights out for the Broncos and giving them chances in close games. And so that was it was exciting, though, wasn't it? I mean, the big play at the end of the game, the Broncos kind of fought back after a sluggish third quarter offensively. There was a lot going on there, but it does feel like this team, I mean, they had to overcome a lot of different circumstances that were kind of out of their control. They did just that. And one player who's overcome, I felt like in his career in Denver, has overcome a lot of obstacles. P.J. Locke stepping in in one of the biggest moments of the game as the Packers were driving. And at first, were in field goal range to potentially kick a game-winning field goal. A holding penalty brought them back and ended up making a third and 20. Jordan Love uncorked a pass down the right sideline where P.J. Locke, Stepping in for Kareem Jackson, who was ejected, made a big-time play on the football. Had a chance to talk with P.J. after the game inside the Broncos locker room. Here's what he had to say about his journey and how patience has paid off for him. Uh, man, when I got put on IR, man, I was, I was, I was disturbed, man. And, uh, you know, Jay Sims and KJ pulled me over, and I was like, man, hey, man, just stay engaged, stay, stay engaged with everybody. You know, with the game plan, with you know, going to DB dinners and stuff like that. And you know, every, anytime I was on the sideline, I was walking around with the iPad, following my DB coach, listening to every call that was on the field, seeing our teams were attacking us. And I think that paid dividends for me. And uh, you know, I just, I can only thank God for it. Cody, we were talking after the game, just like, hey, maybe the officials kind of helped the Broncos win this game in a way. I mean, you take Kareem Jackson out of the game. P.J. Lott comes in and makes arguably the play of the game. And he came screaming across the field on that. I mean, Justin Simmons was in great, great position. And it was a it was a pretty nice throw by Jordan Love. But yet P.J. Lott came in, undercut it. And it was just a brilliant play by him. And we saw, remember last year against San Francisco, he made that clutch play to get that victory. Kind of feels like uh, P.J. Locke may have the clutch gene a little bit. And I love getting to see that uh, up close. And it was just a, a, an incredible moment for him. I know it's probably been a tough start to the season, like you mentioned, but amazing play and well-deserved for P.J. Locke.
Well, and here's the thing too, and, and this doesn't get touched on enough, but it's like knowing what these guys do away from the facility. Like you mentioned with DB night, like these guys, they go out to dinner, they bring some other players along, some other position groups, and and they just spend time bonding as a team. Like this is how close-knit they are. And obviously the season's not gone how Denver has hope for from a record standpoint, but th- this is such a close-knit unit. They keep each other you know, on each other's toes a little bit, well-balanced. There's so much struggle, and they have someone that's going to pick each other up. So that's what I like about the dynamic that this team has here for the Broncos and a dynamic that we also like to see coming forward here for the Broncos. The offensive identity might be taking shape here going forward. We'll dive deeper that on today's lockdown Broncos post game report. Today's lockdown Broncos post game report following the game against the green Bay Packers is brought to you by our friends over there. eBay motors, our partner eBay motors have teamed up with lockdown fantasy football host, Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week. All season long, whether you're prepping for a daily draft or you're scouting the waiver wire every week, we're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Vinny has picked out for us on this week's eBay's guaranteed fit fantasy picks of the week. Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver Devontae Smith has cooled off a little bit after a hot start to the season, but he can be revved up again for a rematch against the commander's pass defense in week eight. He caught seven of nine targets for 78 yards in a solid performance against them in week four. But with A.J. Brown blowing up of late, expect Washington to try to contain him first with any coverage and leave some favorable downfield opportunities available for Smith. Smith is capable of exploding in any game, and the Eagles should want to get him more involved to restore the complete danger of their passing game with Jalen Hurts. Vinny Iyer from Lockdown Fantasy Football is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows that a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure that your ride stays running smoothly. You need brake kits, LED headlights, a roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs. eBay Motors, they have it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. If you need something for your vehicle here today, eBay Motors is the number one place to go for all your vehicle needs. And we're going to bring that to you here courtesy of Locked On. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Once again, keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eBay guarantee fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We love to see an identity forming for the Denver Broncos offense. The running game getting going. Maybe a wide receiver one emerging as the season has gone along. We're going to touch on that. We're going to talk about more aspects of this Denver Broncos victory. I know everybody in Broncos country, hopefully most everybody, is excited about it. Cody, I know all our listeners, Locked On Broncos, are excited. And thank you so much for everyone who makes Locked On Broncos your first listen of the day. Every single day, wherever and however you listen to podcasts, also free and available on YouTube where you can watch Cody and I. And we really appreciate it when you sound off in the comments, when you like, subscribe, and share the show. It means the world to us, especially on a victory Monday. So how about that? Jump into the comments. Give us your thoughts on the game, maybe some players of the game, things that stood out to you. It was a great afternoon in the Mile High City, Cody. And shoot, I think the offensive identity, although the Broncos, they they scored 19 points, but man, they they were moving the ball really well, I felt like, in this game. The clear advantage to me, which was a a big surprise, it felt like in the running game, they were kind of having their way 
against Green Bay's really stellar defensive front. That was a matchup we talked about going into this game. The Broncos' rushing attack was on point on Sunday afternoon. I tell you what, Javante Williams looks good. Like he looks like he's fully healthy. He's got this spring and this bounce to him where there were several times where Packers defenders wrapped up around his legs and he just kept churning. And all of a sudden, you know, what should have been maybe a four yard gain turned into a 15 yard scamper. I mean, you look at what Javante was able to do. He finished the game. He had 15 carries for 82 yards, but yards after contact. I mean, at one point through the third quarter, the stat popped up on the jumbotron there for the Broncos. They were averaging around eight yards per carry at one point in this game. And so for me, I started thinking to myself, this is it. And we've been talking about this, as you mentioned, all year long. The Broncos offense will be better if they can have an established and balanced run game. I truly believe that Javante Williams... Jaleel McLaughlin, and even Samaj P. Ryan, I think has kind of turned and turned in a pretty good performance on Sunday after having a couple of games in a row where he didn't really just have that bounce that we, you know, we saw from him in the preseason. But this is it. Like Denver, I think if they're going to be good on offense, it starts with them running the football, right? And when you hear big number 75, like 75 has reported as eligible. They're obviously big man Quinn Bailey. Denver found ways to run the football. Now, obviously, Denver scored a touchdown on their first drive. Javante Williams from four yards out, but Quinn Bailey did get called for a hold, which backed it up, made it third and 10. And then unfortunately, Denver had to settle for a field goal. I like what we saw from Javante, from Jaleel. And Jaleel in this game, he had 45 yards and just five carries here, Sarah. And there was one play in particular, right? That really kind of helped set up his biggest run of the game. And it was that reverse end around to Marvin Mims, who lost 11 yards on the play. Then there was a holding penalty on the next play. That made it second and 31. And then luckily, you know what, Jaleel broke off a big run and made it third and eight on the very next play there. So I, I think that really suits what their strength is. I think that the Broncos' offensive line, look, kudos to them. Not a single sack allowed on the afternoon. I felt like Russell Wilson had some pretty good time to throw in certain situations here for the Broncos consistently, but they also open things up in the run game as well. And to me, that needs to be the identity for this team going forward. Now, the biggest question, will Sean Payton do that? Yeah, that is a great question because that's what everybody wants to see and what we've been asking for this year, right? All, like you said, all season long, kind of wishing and wanting that offensive identity, especially to be exactly what we expected it to be, which was, physical brand of running the football and really using the run to set up the pass. We saw that kind of complimentary football. I, I mean, it's it, like we said in the first segment, really it's, it's kind of been a year where you, you don't get that much from the Broncos, but I think offensively in this game, the run game was feeding the pass game and the, the pass game was feeding the running game. And it started early on Cody with a, a big shot play down the right side of the field to Cortland Sutton, which we also talked about on the show this past week of just wanting more of those deep plays and court made a great play on the ball, which kind of leads me to what my takeaway from this game. And I, I've been very hard on Cortland Sutton on this podcast. And I think maybe deservedly so a lot of the time, but over the course of the last three, four weeks, doesn't it kind of feel like Cortland has kind of emerged as maybe this team's wide receiver one? Like we talked many times about, and it doesn't feel like this team really has a go-to threat in the passing game. Like is Cortland a true wide receiver one, or is he kind of more of an elevated wide receiver two? And he's been making some big time plays and that play deep down the right side of the field was awesome. He obviously had the touchdown in this game. I think in addition to the running game really getting going and really being consistent, which was key, not just a bunch of big plays spread around the game, but consistent, good running game. Now you got Cortland Sutton, who was kind of a go-to threat, which just felt good to see him do that. 
And look, I mean, he was efficient when targeted. He has targeted six times in this game. He had six catches for 76 yards and a touchdown. And look, a little bit later in the game, Jerry Judy kind of got involved a little bit more as well. Now, on the last catch that he had made, gosh, I the replay was absolutely brutal. Now, he does a great job coming across the middle, catching it. He does like this high scamper, like double move, and he's going to the sideline. The defensive back came in to go punch the football hit him right in the junk straight on. Yeah. And that's why he went yeah. down. I initially thought yeah. because he, he did like this little uh, skip step. I was like, Oh, did he pull something? No, the replay showed whop, right there. I mean, it was not ideal. And obviously hopefully, uh, hopefully Jerry's good. He was in good spirits in the locker room after the game. They're hanging out with wide receiver, Tim Patrick. So I think, I think Jerry's good, but man, he took a shot there. Samaj P. Ryan had a 19 yard reception, at, you know, early on in that game there, but I felt like for Russell Wilson, he didn't necessarily have to do too much forcing in this game, right? Which is a good thing. And I, I think any quarterback, if they don't have to force things, I think are going to be in a better position. And when you have a run game to, to balance that, and you have guys like Cortland Sutton with his size, look, Sarah, I, I view it now more than ever. When I'm looking at this Broncos offense, and I'm looking at the lack of explosive tight end options that this team has, I look at Cortland and say he is their best overall guy in terms of size and reliability. Once again, we didn't even see, like Marvin Mims had one target in this game in the passing game. That was it. I'm very curious to see how many total snaps that he played. So, until, I mean, Cortland has emerged, in my opinion. Obviously for him, five touchdown catches on the year. I mean, we I don't even think we've talked about that enough here. It, it, it kind of seems like one of those things that kind of flown under the radar here. Cortland is turning in a quietly good year. And I look, I know some fans are mad about the fumbles that he had in the Miami game. That's just him pressing. Like that, that was a guy who was giving high effort, trying to make a play happen in a game where things got out of hand for Denver. So I, I've loved the heart and I've loved the leadership of Cortland Sutton this year. He's a big believer in those guys in that locker room. And look, as as much as we're going to talk about as well on today's show about, you know, some there is some fans that are very pissed that the Broncos won this game, which I will address a little bit later. There's been a lot of outside noise here about this Broncos team, about players. And I think the one thing that I've gathered is that these guys, it's it's, the, it's them against the world. Like they believe it's all about the guys inside that locker room. And, and that's just echoed from the offense to the defense. Cortland, in my opinion, I think is just a, a too big of a target here for Sean Payton for all the talk around trades. I mean, we'll obviously see what happens here in the next week and a half, but I just think that Sutton has now more value to this offense than anybody else right now out that, you know, from a receiving standpoint. So something to keep an eye on here going forward. And look, Broncos country, we want to know your thoughts. Should the identity be invested and rooted inside the Broncos run game with Javante Williams, with Jalil McLaughlin and Samaj P. Ryan, a three running back committee approach. Plus, what are your thoughts on Cortland Sutton? Has he emerged, in your opinion, as this team's wide receiver one? Let us know if you're watching on YouTube or if you're listening wherever you get your podcast. We appreciate you so much, Broncos country. One of the things we are going to talk about, we're going to hear from Broncos inside linebacker Alex Singleton and safety Justin Simmons. They reflected on the team's win and also their mentality that they have. And Justin Simmons shares his thoughts on what he feels like the defense can do better going forward. You're going to get all that on today's episode. Lockdown Broncos. Today's Lockdown Broncos postgame report is brought to you by our friends over there at FanDuel Sportsbook. For all the NFL action and also with the NBA season coming up and the NHL season already on the ice, FanDuel is the number one place to be. Snap into the action this season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And right now, new customers, they can get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. So when you sign up here today as a new customer, you place a $5 bet, you're going to get $200 back whether you win 
or whether you lose. That's all the action you're going to get at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than right now. For all the reasons that I mentioned with football season ongoing, NBA season starting up this week, and NHL season already in full swing. The app is super easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So, Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. Once again, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. As we jump into the fourth quarter action on today's episode of Lockdown Broncos, real quick, just want to say once again, thank you so much to everybody in Broncos country for tuning in, making us your first listen of the day every single day. These podcasts are fun being able to interact with everybody in Broncos country, but they're even better coming off of a victory Monday. Obviously, not a lot of wins have been in the forecast here for the Broncos. So anytime I think you can get one, it's good for the fan base to celebrate. And so we'll talk a little bit more about that here on today's episode of the show. But, I mean, Sarah, kind of as we open up in the final portion of our post-game report here, the Broncos improved to 2-5 and five on the season after a 19-17 to 17 victory against Jordan Love, Matt LaFleur, and the Green Bay Packers, who have a lot of questions of their own here going forward. For me, I think we got to talk about maybe just the mentality, right? And I seen I, there was somebody who quote tweeted one of my tweets about PJ Locke's interception, and you know, like for me, I, I know behind the scenes how much work PJ has been putting in to be ready, right? And I said I'm I'm happy for him. And one of the things that this person had said was, "Screw him! That interception hurt the Broncos." Like, are we really at a point here, folks, where we're you know, I interact and Sarah gets all the time. And, and obviously you listening, you guys probably deal with this too. If the Broncos lose, everybody's miserable and unhappy. But if they win, there's a portion of people who are miserable and unhappy and that they're mad that the Broncos won a game. I, what world are we living in? Like, I, I, Sarah, I want to put this into perspective. So many people operate and, and we're seeing it now a lot with Broncos fans, like some Broncos fans, not all, but some Broncos fans that just live with this madden mentality that, you know what, hey, the best thing to do is to lose. Like, the reality is, behind the scenes, everybody, like, there's just there's the head coach, there's the players, right? But there's so many more people who are affected and whose jobs are on the line, whether the team wins or loses, than most people give credit for. No team, no player is going to go out there and actively root to lose. Like, have you ever played a sport? You're like, you know what, guys, let's just go out there. Let's go out there and lose today. Like, I, I don't understand that. And the fans that are angry for this team about this team winning a game, like that is the ultimate loser mentality. I, I'm sorry. And look, if you feel that way, I'm sorry. But it's just like, what are we doing here, Sarah? This is a victory podcast. And we have to talk about the negativity of people who are mad that they won. What world are we living in? That's a, it's well said, man. It really is. I mean, it's tough to watch because Look, I get wanting Caleb Williams. I get wanting Drake May or Marvin Harrison Jr. or Olu Fashanu or things like that. I get that. I love the NFL draft. I love that process. But the NFL, it, it may not have a lottery system. But what it does have, Cody, is a lot of parity within those 17 games that your team is going to play. It requires more luck than a ping pong ball to get the number one pick in the NFL draft. Your team has to be so bad as to win two games or less likely throughout the course of a season. And it requires, like I said, a lot more luck than you would think. I, I mean, you can't just, like you said, these guys are pros, they're competitors. They want to go make the big play. They want to go 
dominate teams. They don't want to go out there and lose one score games. Like the Broncos have more one score losses than any other team over the last few seasons. They don't want that to be their identity. They don't want to be known for that. They don't want to get the number one pick in the NFL draft. They don't care about that. And yeah, I get it. Like at the end of the season, are you going to look back and say, Oh, well, if they would have lost this game, you know, they could have got Caleb Williams. I mean, that's, that's, you can't think like that because what happens if you lose this game and the butterfly effect says, well, then you now win this other game over the course of the year. All I'm saying is, is that, you know, Houston last year, right in the driver's seat for the number one overall pick all year, they win the last week of the season, drops them to number two overall. Their fans are in a frenzy, you know, uh, Chicago bears now have the number one pick and it's just, it's over all that hope for a tank is over, right. To get the number one pick. Well, turned out pretty well for Houston, I would say. I mean, they got C.J. Stroud instead of maybe they would have taken Bryce Young number one. We don't know. So it's just one of those things. It's It it involves way too much luck. It involves way too much uh, unpredictable, especially this early in this. We're week seven right now, people. Come yeah. on. So I get wanting to see the team from a 10,000-foot view and thinking, well, long-term, they'll be better with Caleb Williams or Drake May. That may be a fact, but at the same time, it's week seven. The Broncos are what two and five right now. You got 10 games left. Talk to us in week 17 or 18 about the NFL draft order. And even then, by the time week 18 rolls around, Cody, we still may have four or five spots to jump one way or the other. So it's too unpredictable to get mad at at this point. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, you play to win the game, right? You play to win the game. Like, I, I don't know. Like, it's the competitor in me. It's just when I hear people talk, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they won. It's like, have you ever played sports in your life? Like, you never play ever hoping that you're going to lose. I, it's so weird to me. But you know what? To each their own here. We got to catch up with Broncos inside linebacker Alex Singleton following the game inside the locker room. And we go back to what we talked about here earlier about how tight knit that this team is and what they can do. Cause there are a lot of naysayers here. Here's what Alex Singleton had to say. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just us guys in this room, you know, everyone else can count us out, whatever, do whatever you guys want. We're going to, we're going to keep coming to work. We're going to keep playing. And if we keep doing what we're doing, uh, we'll keep winning more. Yeah. I mean, and I love that mentality, Cody, they need to, because that defense has showed up the last two weeks. Haven't they? I mean, been impressive from them to be able to, to go out there and kind of, I mean, they shut out the Packers in the first half of this game. They held the Chiefs to, what, one of five in red zone attempts. So maybe the defense is on a little bit of a streak right now. Well, did you see how Kansas City played against the uh, the Los Angeles Chargers? I mean, Patrick Mahomes, Travis, they were lightening up here once again. I mean, Mahomes did have four touchdowns coming off the heels of Denver, you know, only mitigating and holding him to one passing touchdown in the game on Thursday Night Football last week. The defense has taken strides forward, which is a good thing here. Uh, obviously, we talked about P.J. Locke's interception. Justin Simmons kind of talked about the diagram of that play and how amazing of a play it was considering what coverage Denver was in there. Here's what Simmons had to say about P.J. Locke's interception. That is a one-on-one type of play that P.J. made. Basically playing the half field and to run just outside of the numbers to come get number two running a deep over route um, and to pick it. I mean, pass breakup is like going to be a heck of a play, but to have the pick to seal the game, um, I mean, I hope, I know he, I know that was a big play and everyone knows a big play, but I hope he gets the credit he deserves on that play because that was a heck of a play that not a lot of guys can make. 
Not a lot of guys could make that play. Like I said earlier, he came screaming across the field to make that pick. Actually looked like Justin Simmons might have been in position, Cody, to get the pick himself had the ball gotten to that point. But P.J. Locke kind of came in like, uh, I mean, he looked like a superhero screaming in and diving after that ball. It was a great play, and he deserved it. And, and Justin Simmons recognizing that. It's about that camaraderie like he touched on, P.J. touched on earlier in the show. And for Justin you know, for him to get to see that from a guy that he's poured into like that, I'm sure was gratifying as well. 100% too. And obviously as the Broncos defense has improved, Justin Simmons also highlighted some areas. He feels like the defense can be better. And look, this doesn't, in my opinion, apply just to the defense, but it goes back to where this team has to figure out how to overcome one bad play from happening to where it doesn't impact and trickle down and carry over to the entire operation. Here's what Simmons had to say about that. One of one of the things that we need to continue to work on is um, there's always a seem there always seems to be like that one play that happens and um, we can kind of get caught up in maybe like oh that was a bad call this that or the other um, but you got to move on to the next play. And uh, man, in the second half, you know we just were doing a terrible job of getting off the field. Had opportunities and third downs and things like that. And, and we kept saying, we're going to make a play, we're going to make a play, believing it. And uh, man, PJ came up with a big He came up big. And I, I love that. It's it's such a great feeling to be able to see and hear these guys in a locker room atmosphere, Cody, after a win. I know we kind of talked about oh, that before nice. the game. Like, you know, what's it going to be like after the game, you know? So. I, I tell us what it was like in there. I mean, for those guys, I know this is just one win. Obviously, the team's yeah. still two and five, but for them to just kind of get that, you know, get that confidence going into a Kansas City game's got to feel huge. Well, I can just tell you how brutal it is in the locker room when the team loses. Like it's quiet, and it's just you could just feel this tension inside there, and it, it's frustrating. But you know, these guys when they win, like everyone's in a great mood. You know, the the vibe is good. Like, hey. We got to hear Club Dub for the first time, at, you know, at home in Denver where, we, you know, they're opening up the doors. People were coming in and out, you know, trying to get, you know, to wherever they needed to be, equipment managers. And you'd see the fog from the fog machine coming through. So it was a good atmosphere. Guys were, you know, in great moods. Like I said, Jerry Judy was in great spirits. Tim Patrick was in there laughing, having a good time. The overall vibes inside the locker room were good. And look, these guys are going to continue to stick with it. They're going to stay the course here. They believe in one another. You know, it doesn't matter what we say in the media. It doesn't matter what the fan base says about they should tank or do this. This team is focused on just focusing on their job and and doing that. And obviously, there's some things to clean up because, look, I think personnel-wise, Denver had to burn two timeouts in the third quarter. And I could tell you this. I looked at, Once they did that, I looked at Sean Payton, and he went – he just – turned his head violently, looked at Vance Joseph and just reamed him. Like Vance Joseph got his butt chewed out in this game, right? We're not talking about it too much because Denver won. Like if they lost, and this would obviously be a huge talking point, but man, Sean Payton pulls no punches on this. And, and obviously Denver's going to have to improve in some areas. There's still room for them to get better. And we'll see if they can carry that momentum forward because now Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes, they come to town next Sunday in Powerfield, Mile High, 2.25 p.m., Mountain time kickoff all throughout the week. You can expect us to bring you up to kickoff. We'll lead you through with a crossover preview, plus what's going on with the team. Guys coming back healthy. I mean, Denver's in a pretty good spot right now from a trajectory standpoint. Can they capitalize on it? That's what we'll dive deep into on tomorrow and other episodes this week here of Lockdown Broncos. Broncos country, we appreciate you. We'll see you next time.